Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I hope you're having a fantastic day today. So I want to share an interesting thing that happened recently, and it has to do with BMX. For those of you who know me, I love sports analogies. I use them all the time. This one's going to be about BMX. It's actually really quite a remarkable uh, instance. So my son, Jack, attended a BMX camp this past week. And on the last day of the camp, all of the parents received an email from one of the mothers saying that some of the boys were picking on her six-year-old son. The six-year-old was by far the youngest in the uh, camp and he was brand new to BMX. And so she was worried about the lack of inclusiveness and maybe some of the um, inappropriate uh, things happening at BMX camp, I guess. So anyway, she asked the parents to encourage our children to be more kind to this young man. So of course, immediately I went to Jack, what are you doing? You better not be picking on this kid. Um, because I would be mortified if he was the perpetrator, but he explained to me that this six-year-old boy was misbehaving, that the coach had put him in timeout a few times for throwing rocks and running his bike into the tires of the other kids and pretending it was an accident. And so he didn't feel like anybody was picking on him, but the kids were telling him to knock it off. They were getting frustrated. So I reminded Jack what it's like to be the young kid. He's part of the expert class race team where he's the youngest at eight by far. And it's hard for an eight-year-old to relate to 15-year-old boys um, and vice versa. And oftentimes he comes home complaining about being bullied, mom, which I think is more uh, teasing. And I'm sure that he instigates it knowing my son because he is very bullheaded and wants things his way. Anyway, so he promised that he would help this youngster and be a good role model. And I left it at that. Didn't think about it again. A few hours later, an email from another mom pops into my inbox and she gently told this mother of the six-year-old that he wasn't being kind, that he was throwing rocks and running his bike into the other kids, which was creating frustration and the the coach had to discipline him. She did such a good job of relating to this mother in the email saying things like, look, I get it. My kids haven't told me the whole truth before. I put myself out there only to find out that they were uh, part of the, the issue. And I just wanted you to be aware of this because I think it will help your son. So it was really good. I was impressed with the way she handled it. It was inclusive. It was kind, but she still pushed back. A few minutes later, the mother of the six-year-old replies, thanking the woman for her honesty. She was very surprised. This is the first I've heard of it, she said. And she asked the coach why he didn't mention the misbehavior. So the whole exchange was remarkable. Both women handled it exceptionally well. And it made me pause to self-reflect. I speak and I write about speaking up, giving feedback and keeping it real. But I didn't let this mother know what was going on at BMX camp. Why didn't I take my own advice? So I had to examine my lack of participation in this instance, and I determined that it was because I was not invested in this woman and her son. I had never met them, and I felt like I had done my part by talking to Jack. Now, I know that might sound harsh, but I do believe that that is a lot of the reasons why we don't speak up. We don't feel that we are invested in a relationship, or maybe we feel like we're over-invested in a relationship and we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. But in this instance, I was not invested in this woman and her son. I don't know them. But 
just saying how I did my part by talking to my son was a cop-out. If the roles were reversed and Jack was the one who was misbehaving, I for sure would want to know. And I would hope someone would have the courage to keep it real with me. So I thought long and hard about investing in relationships, especially with people that I hardly know or don't know at all. And I realized that I wasn't living up to my values. I care deeply about the BMX community. I spend a lot of time at the BMX track. I care deeply about my son and how I'm raising him and what kind of human I want him to be. And I take my responsibility as a parent and a leader, especially seriously. I could have done what this brave woman did, but I didn't. So the next time I find myself in a similar situation, I'm going to remember this story and I'm going to pause and consider my role in it and make a better decision that more aligns with my values. That's what's important to me. When it was all said and done, I asked Jack to read the entire email chain and to share his thoughts with me. I asked him, how do you think the mother of the six-year-old feels? Embarrassed, he replied. Why? Because she didn't know that he was misbehaving. He didn't tell her the truth and she had to find out from someone else that he was instigating this. Exactly, I said. She probably feels like he manipulated her, he said. Yes, I said. Imagine how I would feel if you told me you were getting picked on, but you didn't own your part in it. Imagine if one of your buddy's moms had to say to me that you were not kind. Would I trust your words in the future? Probably not, he said. And how would that make you feel? Not good. I would hate it if you didn't trust me, mom. Words matter, Jack, I replied. I will always go to bat for you. I will always help you out, but you must tell me the truth. If you manipulate me, I will doubt your story. Always own your part. That's the most respectful and noble way to show up. That's how the Siggins family shows up. So I wasn't sure how deeply he understood this. Jack is a very mature eight-year-old, but he's still eight, right? So a few hours later when he came and said to me, Mom, I really liked reading that email. Both those moms were so nice. And now I understand what manipulation means. I was so proud. My heart filled with joy. And I asked him, well, what does it mean? He said, when you only tell one side of the story to make yourself look good and make the other person look bad. Nailed it. I hugged him, proud of his deep thinking on this matter. Later that week, I ran into the woman who pushed back on the youngster's mom and told her how impressed I was of this whole situation. And she shared with me that she had been fretting about it all week, wishing that she hadn't sent the email. It's the coach's responsibility to handle it. And I threw him under the bus, she said. You're right, I said, but he's barely 20 years old. He has to learn how to handle these situations too. You taught all of us a valuable lesson. And I'm really glad you sent the email. You handled it beautifully. And so did the other mom. And I used it to teach Jack an, uh, a lesson about honesty, trust, and manipulation. And so I told her how I made him read the email. And she was like, wow, that was really powerful. Yeah, I know. So she was grateful that I stopped to talk to her about it. I made her feel a lot better about the situation. I helped give her some advice on how to talk to the coach about uh, throwing him under the bus and how he can do, do a better job of talking to parents about when he has to discipline their children. 
And I realized that not everybody feels the same way I did. I'm sure that someone might've been annoyed by the exchange or wondered why, I don't know, she didn't mind her own business, <laughs> but not me. This email exchange was just the mirror I needed to see how my indifference might not align with my values. And it was a priceless teaching moment for Jack. Great story, huh? All right. This is an excellent segue into my next topic, not believing everything you think. This story is a perfect example of what happens when what you believe to be true, my son is being picked on, turns out to be false. My son is actually the one who is picking on others. <laughs> Have you ever stopped to question your thoughts? Where did this thought come from? Why do I think this way? Is this thought even true? Now we think a bazillion thoughts in a given day, and it would be exhausting to do this for every single thought, but for high stakes opinions, high stakes decisions, high stakes thoughts, high stakes conversations, it's really important to pause and consider what I might be thinking isn't true. And it's a really powerful moment when you wake up and realize that the way you think might not be the truth. In fact, it's probably not the truth. So here's a perspective for you to ponder. You have your thoughts and opinions about my podcast. You love it. It resonates with you. You can grab hold of something and act right now. And these thoughts are based on your experiences, your preferences, your judgments, emotions, and most likely your feelings about me as a person and a leader, even if you've never met me. Now, someone else listening is having a completely different experience. She hates it. She thinks I'm speaking complete nonsense and she cannot find anything worth trying to even implement. She even wonders why I waste my time producing this podcast. Both experiences feel like the truth to each person, but whose is correct? Well, the answer is neither and both. It all depends on your experience. It all depends on your preferences, but just because that's your preference doesn't mean that it's the truth. You can love it. You can hate it and that's okay but it doesn't mean that it's the only truth. We live in an age where being right is worth fighting for and even killing for, and where tolerance, acceptance, compromise, and admitting that you're wrong are signs of weakness. But here's the kicker. We're never right because there is no absolute right way. There's almost 9 billion people on this earth, which means that there are 9 billion different ways to think about everything there is to be thought about. That's mind blowing. If there are 9 billion different ways to think about the thought you just had, how can you be so sure that the way you think is the truth? Questioning your thoughts is extremely powerful and it brings a more accurate self-awareness, if that's a good way to put it. Yes, it can create discomfort, especially when you challenge your belief systems, but it's eye-opening and life-changing. Not believing your thoughts are true, that your way is the only way, can lead to new perspectives, new ways of thinking, to stretch yourself, and most importantly, as a leader, it will help you make better decisions. Not believing everything you think allows you to make room for other people's ideas and solutions, which is what every human being wants to be seen and considered as valuable. It cultivates tolerance, acceptance, and compromise. It helps you be a better person, parent, and leader. So what do you do? You can ask yourself some questions when you feel passionate 
<laughs> AKA defensive about how you think or feel, or when you're being judgmental about a person or a situation. I have found at times I can detach myself from my thoughts and my opinion, and sometimes I can't. But the process of asking myself these types of questions always helps me put things into perspective. By asking myself these types of questions, I find that I'm more open, compassionate, and tolerant of others, which makes me feel more content. And I can imagine that you would like to feel that way too. All right, so what questions do I ask myself? Why do I believe this? Why are my feelings so strong? What if I believed something different? What would change? What story am I telling myself about this person or situation? And how do I even know that that story is true? What other stories could also be true? What assumptions am I making? What would happen if I just let this thought or feeling go and it never crossed my mind again? Will anything change? Is this how I really feel or am I letting my ego get in the way? Why am I being so judgmental? What if these thoughts are the truth? Would I do something different? Powerful, powerful questions to ask yourself if you take the time to analyze your answers and, and answer them honestly. Now, I think most of us agree that the world would be a better place if we weren't constantly arguing, judging, defending, and worrying. If we want to change the world, we must change within first. You can do this by being more curious, more curious about your thoughts, pausing to consider if this belief doesn't equate to the truth. And if it doesn't, that's okay. It's even beneficial that your truth isn't everyone else's truth. There's so much goodness in differing opinions. You don't have to be angry or dislike others for having a different viewpoint than yours. It can enrich your life. It can make you stronger. It can make you more engaged and it can make you more accepting and have more tolerance. And that is what makes the world a better place. So I highly encourage you to question your thoughts, question your opinions and be okay that they might not be the truth. I know my opinions are not the truth. They're my opinions. And I read and I discuss and I think deeply about my thoughts and I take other people's ideas and viewpoints into consideration and it helps me shape my worldviews. And it's 100% okay that not everybody agrees with me and that I don't agree with everybody else. That's what makes being a human so remarkable. Okay, on to my question of the episode. It comes from someone on LinkedIn and he says, Carrie, it seems like you're living your purpose. You're so fortunate. I want to be living my purpose through my work too. How did you figure this out? Great question. And this is what everybody's in search of, right? For me, purpose comes out of a combination of things being of service to others, trying new things, stretching myself around my strengths and my weaknesses, and being really good at what I do. In my opinion, this is how you bring value to the world. So purpose isn't something that suddenly appears, at least not for most. Maybe it does. It didn't for me. It has evolved over time. It's deeply personal and it can't be handed to you. You have to figure it out on your own. I found mine through learning what I didn't want to do, almost killing myself due to addiction, taking risks, joining a company where the culture was a good fit and working my ass off and continuously iterating through this process. Looking back through the years of journaling, there's one thread that's always been there. My desire, which is my purpose to be an impactful leader that helps people create more meaningful lives themselves. It really is that simple. 
I've certainly questioned my purpose along the way, losing focus from time to time, but I always come back to it. It's what I love to do, whether I'm parenting, running a company, advising, writing, podcasting, or speaking. As I've matured, I've realized that I can make an impact through my words and my effort. So I practice constantly defining and refining my message, listening deeply and speaking and writing and asking questions with clear purpose and intention. Why do I emphasize with clear purpose and intention? Because it's how I'm of service to others. I shape my thoughts and words to provide the most value possible to those who read and listen. It's how I show up to make the world a better place. And the more I practice, the more I improve. The more I improve, the wider my audience becomes and the more I'm living my purpose. Another aspect of my purpose is to push myself to do really hard things, to see what I'm capable of, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. When I read Viktor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning, his philosophy that we find purpose in suffering resonated with me. He said, in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering the moment it finds meaning. While I am in no way comparing my journey to those who suffered the horrors of something like the Holocaust, I too find purpose in suffering because my suffering has meaning. There is pain and hardship in pursuing impact in pushing yourself beyond what you thought possible and ignoring people who tear you down or who work against you. But making an impact is meaningful and suffering further ingrains my purpose. It makes it more real. It makes it more meaningful. So if you want to find your purpose, I suggest doing these things. Try new things so that you can learn what you like and don't like. It's really good to know I don't want to do this or, ooh, I really like this. Take some risks so you can expand your boundaries. If I wouldn't have moved from Texas to Durango, I would not be living my purpose in this way. Uh, maybe I would be, I don't know, right? Um, uh, there's all those what ifs, but I truly believe that I found my purpose by taking that leap, by leaving my life behind to start something new. You should build a tribe of people who support and believe in you. <laughs> purpose comes from connection and adding value, being of service and having a tribe will help ingrain that purpose even deeper. Never stop learning and expanding your thinking and worldview. My purpose has been deepened by all that I read, all that I talk about, how curious I am. I build upon my knowledge, my, my, my talents, because I'm deeply curious and I always want to learn new things. Don't be afraid to change. <laughs> That's critical. One, staying stuck in status quo, um, being stuck in a rut will not let you find your purpose. And it's also okay to say, this was my purpose before, but now I've changed, right? It's an evolution. It's never a set in stone thing. I'm sure my purpose will be different 10 years from now than what it is right now. So it will evolve and it's okay. Be okay with yourself changing over time. Um, in fact, embrace it. And finally, work hard. The only way to develop passion and purpose is to get good at what you do. And the only way to get good at what you do is to work hard. Think Michael Jordan, right? 
he practiced, 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 practiced. He was the first one at practice. He was the last one to leave. He honed his game. He wasn't even that good when he first started, right? He didn't even make the JV basketball team when he was in high school, but he never gave up. And his, his work ethic developed into his passion and his purpose, which made him the very best at what he does. Now, I'm not saying that we're all going to be the Michael Jordans of, of our professions and of our purpose, but I will tell you, it's a good uh, role model for us to have. Mastery leads to purpose. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like this podcast, please like, share, rate, or write a review, and I'll see you next week. Bye.